Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry. And today I am visiting with Jeffrey May from Wildlands Restoration Volunteers. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Great. Jeffrey began his relationship with Wildlands Restoration Volunteers as a volunteer himself in 2013 while studying biology at Metro State University in Denver. He joined the staff as a seasonal and is now a project manager for the organization. Previously, he managed projects for a nationwide firm specializing in power grid inspections, where he spent many hours in a helicopter over New England and on the East Coast. In addition to managing trails and restoration projects, Jeffrey manages the cook program at WRV, where he trains and coordinates volunteer cooks to help feed the crews in the field. He is also a part of WRV's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force, working to incorporate DEI principles into the Wildlands Restoration Volunteers community. Jeffrey grew up in Dallas, but has lived in Colorado for 15 years and has family roots here. So Jeffrey, I'm um, just so excited to get to visit with you today and to talk about the amazing work that you and your colleagues are doing at Wildlands Restoration Volunteers. My hope is uh, a, a few fold here. One, that many of our friends and colleagues here in the Colorado region will engage directly with you guys and get involved with the work you're doing. But also too, that our colleagues and friends that are in other regions might be inspired uh, to do similar work in, in their communities. And we'll talk about some resources we have there on that front. But uh, first off, Jeffrey, let me just ask you, tell us, in a nutshell, what is Wildlands Restoration Volunteers up to? Um, wow, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, we're up to, these days, a bit of everything. Um, we're about to kick off a, a really busy season. Um, you know, we are um, as focused as ever on um, delivering on our mission of healing the land and building community. Um, so we, starting um, this weekend, we'll be doing some trainings and project season starts, um, has already started. As a matter of fact, we've already had some projects in the field and we're gonna be continuing on. So we're looking forward to getting back outside uh, after a, uh, a long cold winter. <laughs> it's really exciting. And uh, I just wanna go ahead and tell our audience that you guys put together a really cool video about 15 minutes long. We'll, we'll be including the, the links uh, to that and other resources in our show notes. But this video basically shows a lot of your volunteer activities on the ground in 2020. Um, and I thought, you know, perhaps you could share with us some of the uh, statistics, some of the accomplishments, some of the facts and figures from 2020, of course, a, a rather unusual year. Uh, yeah, sure. I certainly can. So last year, um, we engaged um, several thousand volunteers. There's over 2,000 volunteers we engaged. Um, we did um, uh, miles and miles of trail work. This year, um, we've already engaged uh, that, num that same number of volunteers uh, before, our site, before our season even kicked off. 
Um, so we've got um, right around 2000 registrations, I believe. We're sitting at about 100 projects scheduled right now where we're going to go over that this season. Uh, we'll have probably somewhere closer to 100, between 150 and 200 projects on the books this year once the season's over. Um, That's really great. So yeah. What, what is a project? What does that look like? So um, it, it varies um, by design, I would say. Um, so we kind of break our projects up into an easy way to break it up is by um, saying, you know, we have, we have some single day, um, you know, where it's just like um, a Saturday or a Sunday or sometimes just a, a weekday afternoon where volunteers will gather um, at a work site to do a variety of different work. We have, um, you know, we have different programs within our organization. So sometimes it's, um, it's wetland restoration work, sometimes it's forestry, sometimes it's trails, sometimes it's a native seed collection or an invasive species removal. Uh, so volunteers show up, um, they get a briefing, they get, um, you know, we, we separate out into crews, which are led by some very experienced uh, volunteer crew leaders. Um, and we get to work and we spend the day um, uh, healing the land um, and building community, you know, back to our, back to our missions. Um, you know, we, we like to promote um, getting to know each other, uh, having conversations around the work that we're doing, but also just around the people that are part of our community. Um, by the end of the day, hopefully we've accomplished a ton of uh, really good and rewarding work. Um, and then everybody uh, either hangs out to visit for a little while or heads home and uh, gets ready for the next one. Um, if, uh, if people have signed up for what we, what we consider our multi-day projects, um, it looks similar during the day with the exception of the fact that we, um, we camp overnight. So some of these projects that are up in the mountains in, say, the Breckenridge area or on some of our 14ers like Mount Albert or Gray's Peak, um, volunteers will show up on a Friday night, we'll camp, we'll work Saturday, we'll camp Saturday night, we'll work Sunday and go home. Um, happy to say that this year, uh, WRV is uh, starting again to provide food after we took a hiatus from that last year. Uh, so we, we make sure our volunteers are, are well fed and in good spirits when we, when we get to work. That's so great. That's so great, Jeffrey. Well, so do folks need to have uh, technical uh, experience and, and capabilities in order to do some of that high alpine or high mountain work? Absolutely not. Um, no experience necessary. Um, there's also, I should mention, we get this question often, there is no cost um, for coming out on our volunteer projects as well. Um, we have very experienced and, and well-trained volunteer leaders. Um, and so those are the folks who, who have the background and have been on our projects and have the experience and, and they are able to um, interact with our volunteer crew members and show them what to do and, you know, teach them about what we're doing and how to do it right. Yeah, I saw in, in that video that you had a lot of folks doing some trail uh, restoration and rehab work. And obviously with growing populations in our Metro Denver Front Range region, we've seen more uh, traffic and, and pressure on some of the wilderness landscapes to the west of the, of the uh, Metro Denver region. Yeah. And I'm just curious, uh, what kinds of things are you guys 
doing when you're up in those wilderness environments working on trails? I would break it down into sort of three major categories of trail work that we do. Um, so trail construction, which would mean building new trails. Um, we, we do trail maintenance, which is really at the heart of, um, you know, what you alluded to with, with user numbers going up. Um, we also do some trail and road obliteration um, with the amount of uh, high user numbers. Um, people tend to, um, tend to go off trail a little more. Um, and, you know, in, in the mountains, when it's a popular hiking trail, if someone sees one person going off trail, um, many more will follow, right? This, that, that sort of creates what we call social trails. So we do some work to, um, to get rid of those social trails. But um, while we're doing that, we, we work in conjunction to improve the, the, the managed trails, the trails where our, our agency partners want the people to stay um, on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, yeah. I've uh, enjoyed a lot of uh, camping, hiking, backpacking up in the mountains around here over the years and uh, really appreciate uh, the, the really high quality trail work and trail maintenance that uh, seems to show up in a lot of these places. And uh, I'm, I'm curious when you're out there doing that kind of trail work, I noticed in the video, sometimes you're employing some uh, llamas, some llamas to help yes. carry supplies and tools. Yeah. It's got to be pretty rigorous work, some of what you guys are doing. It is really rigorous. Um, you know, and if you, if, if folks go to our website, you'll see that we have our projects broken down by um, one of the ways you can break the projects down and, and look at our registrations is by um, activity level. So yeah, some of the projects are um, strenuous or very strenuous. Um, I, uh, every year and for the past several years, I've been running um, a, a program of projects on um, Colorado 14ers. And uh, it, it's part of, I should mention, um, the Find Your 14er initiative, something people can look up if they're interested. Yeah, it's the Find Your 14ers initiative or Find Your 14er initiative. I, I tend to say it's a collaboration between all the acronyms in Colorado. So, uh, <laughs> like go, go, go and the. VOC and CFI and CMC, yeah. you know. We should um, tell some of our uh, audience who they are. So yeah, I will. Um, great. And I want to I want to um, mention that the 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 14er initiative is is headed by um, the National Forest Foundation, which is um, uh, a partner of the U.S. Forest Service, um, and they are fantastic partners of ours. Um, so they have gotten all of us acronyms together to collaborate on working on, um, on all the 14ers in Colorado. We have them prioritized. Um, WRV is an organization that's going into, I think our fifth year working on some of these mountains. Um, so it's Gray's Peak and Mount Albert this year. Do you have a, uh, a most favorite 14er in Colorado? Oh man. Um, I, I would have to say, um, Albert, you know, um, it, it has a lot of significance for me, not just as, as, um, a mountain that I have enjoyed being on as, as a user, but, um, have put a lot of work into, um, and just some of the iconic views and, um, you know, uh, the, the wonderful hike, um, I, I, I just really have an appreciation for that mountain. Great. Yeah. It's a beauty. 
I want to just uh, mention real quick, GOCO, one of these acronyms, Great Outdoors Colorado, right? Is that what that stands for? Get Outdoors Colorado, yep. Okay. Or Great Outdoors Colorado, yeah, you're right. Yes. And uh, they've been around for a number of years now. And I just, I love that uh, they're funded in significant part by lotto dollars. And uh, there's, it's, it's an interesting kind of ecosystem that's been created here in Colorado where certain things like lotto, um, which I don't know that are, are necessarily uh, creating a whole lot of public good in other states. Right. But here in Colorado, I understand many of these proceeds are going to both education and a lot of uh, conservation work in our outdoors. And uh, GoCo has, has been able to make a lot of really good uh, uh, restoration and conservation efforts happen for many years throughout Colorado. Yeah, they they have, um, and and they are they are a wonderful um, partner to work with. We more often work with them indirectly okay. um, through other you know municipalities and other collaborations. Yeah. Um, but you know, if it's GoCo or National Forest Foundation or Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, you know, they are all. Um, fantastic partners to work with. They really understand um, the need for what we're doing um, above and beyond just, uh, you know, <laughs> above and beyond just landscaping the mountains, right? Like there, there is a real need for it um, to, keep, to keep our state um, as beautiful it is, as it is, as accessible as it is, but also, um, to, to guarantee that, you know, we keep our lands clean, that folks have clean water and clean land, um, and that, um, that our ecosystems are healthy, that, um, you know, that uh, the, the habitat um, in Colorado stays intact um, and continues to thrive um, alongside uh, those of us who live here or come here as, as users of these naturals and, you know, natural open spaces. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I consider myself really fortunate to, to live here in Colorado where we, we have so much access to outdoors, to wilderness. And uh, some of us are avid uh, mountaineers, you know, doing, uh, things like climbing and, and pretty extreme uh, mountaineering, but others, and I would count myself in this latter category, others like a good uh, saunter in the, in the valley or a nice backpack up along a creek for several miles. Yeah. And, uh, get, getting into those kinds of spaces, obviously there's a lot of research that's been done on this, but uh, for us to be out in wilderness really affects our, our entire uh frame of being and uh, there, there's amazing science showing connections with things like cognitive performance uh, stress reduction immune system boosting I'm curious if a lot of your your volunteers and colleagues are aware of those kinds of impacts as they're out uh, doing this work we are yeah um, we it, it's something that we as a staff um, talk about often I mean you know First of all, I should mention how lucky I and, and my colleagues feel to be um, working in, in this field. Uh, 
you know, uh, our work involves uh, sometimes sitting in front of a computer or at a desk and planning, but the other part of our job is, is being out in that, um, in that environment that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, it is, we do feel it's important um, to make that connection with our volunteers as well um, and, and facilitate a way to, um, to not only enjoy those benefits, uh, but to give back at the same time. Um, the other thing I will say is we feel very strongly that access to that uh, experience um, needs to be more equitable. Uh, and so we, we have been working to, to try and um, be a more inclusive community, uh, be a more diverse community, and share, those, uh, share that, that beauty um, and, and uh, the rewards of, of being out in the state in the natural places in Colorado with, um, with, a, with a wider variety of people. With a you know with a more inclusive and more diverse community, um, and I think that's something that's really important and something that as an organization we're trying to focus on. I this to me is a really important uh, part of your guys' work, and part of my background is uh, working in the local and regional food systems, and of course that means uh, having done a lot of work in different places that are considered so-called food deserts. These tend to be the lower income communities in the urban regions, as well as the very rural uh, regions of, of the state. And I was struck a few years back uh, when in the uh, kind of inner city setting of, of Denver to discover that there are a whole lot of folks right there in, in a place like Denver, Colorado, who told me literally they hadn't been up to the mountains. And uh, it, it astonished me, right, because that was what maybe 20 miles away. Um, and and I'm, I'm really curious, not only how you guys are helping to make that access more equitable, but I'm also curious how you might be helping to engender the awareness or even the interest uh, in some of these communities of connecting with the, the mountain wilderness and some of these other amazing landscapes that are outside the cities. Yeah. Um you know, I, I think that goes, those go hand in hand. Um, one of the ways that we um, have been accomplishing both of those goals and, and moving forward with our diversity, equity, and inclusion plan is, um, is working with youth. Um, because, you know, um, we want to, we want to be able to share um, what Colorado has to offer, what, what those natural places have to, to offer with, um, with everyone. Um, and youth is a great place to start. Um, you know, these, these are young, uh, young people who, um, who uh, are eager, uh, very, you know, um, very eager to learn new things and experience new things. Um, and, you know, for many of us who, who work uh, in this industry, you know, our, our, um, our drive to um, make these natural places uh, better and more sustainable started when we were young. Um, so I think there's, there's a desire to, to share that with young people. 
I think it's important that we're sharing it with uh, a more diverse group of young people as well um, so that they can be ambassadors. Uh, you know, young, young folks are, <laughs> it sounds so old when I say that, <laughs> young <laughs> folks, but um, yeah, the young people that we work with are, uh, are great ambassadors once, once they've had the experience of being out in these areas and doing the work um, and feeling how rewarding it is. And uh, just that, that vibe you get from being out in nature, you know, um, all the benefits, the, the mental health benefits, the physical health benefits, all of it. Um, so we have a, a really great and thriving youth program uh, run by my coworker, Rachel Brett, um, that, uh, that works with youth, but also, um, we're very fortunate that that then also feeds into our, our adults community of volunteers. Um, so some of the ways that we're, that we're moving towards those two goals that you mentioned was, um, are reaching out to other partners in the community. Um, you know, whether it's, um, Afro Outdoors or Brown Girls Hike or, um, you know, organizations like that who, who do um, the heavy lifting of um, creating diversity and equity and inclusion in the outdoors. Um, so we, we want to continue partnerships with organizations like that and do more outreach. Um, you know, and I will say, that we we have a lot of work to do. We we have you know quite a ways to go. We started. We released a statement last year um, about our intention to to do the hard work um, of of creating diversity, equity, and inclusion in the outdoors. Um, and we do recognize that we have a long way to go, but we are uh, very serious about making progress towards those goals. That's really great. I'm I'm curious. Um, in addition to volunteering and helping with these projects, uh, how might folks in our audience also help those kinds of efforts that you guys are doing around the diversity, equity, and inclusion work? Relationship building yeah. is, is a big part of it. So for, for any folks who are listening um, and are members of a group that would like to get involved with us to, to help sort of champion these goals, um, that, that is you know, that's a big thing for us. Um, the, the communication back and forth, having conversations uh, about how we can move forward and then, uh, you know, organizing some, some get-togethers and some projects, uh, having people come out to our, our events um, is a great way to do it. I would also say um, there's always volunteering to be done. Um, and, and we, we welcome uh, all folks to volunteer on our projects. We encourage uh, everybody to sign up. New people in particular, I love seeing on my projects. <laughs> when I'm out in the field, you know, and I ask that question, you know, who's, who's, you know, who's on their first WRV project? There's always, you know, there's always a lot of smiling faces from the people who have been around for a while, you know, excited to meet somebody new. Um, so, uh, yeah volunteering, reaching out, helping facilitate those discussions uh, is a great way for folks to help us with um, our diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. That's really great. Yeah. I, uh, 
I, I really appreciate how you use the term ambassador uh, in, in regard to some of the, the ways in which uh, folks, especially youth who have these experiences, will then share in their communities. And at the Why on Earth community, we actually have an ambassador program. And uh, it'll be really fun to encourage some of our ambassadors to get involved uh, with what you guys are doing. And uh, it's, it's a great way to continually build our communities together uh, while also doing this important restoration and regenerative work. And uh, I'm curious, this kind of leads me to another question I've been wondering about. When you guys are out in wilderness settings, you mentioned uh, native seed harvesting and also uh, working to remove uh, invasive weeds. Or I imagine you're essentially also educating folks around uh, some of the botany uh, that's found uh, in, in those uh, different environments, uh, some of the native plants and maybe some of the plants that shouldn't necessarily be there. Yeah, we, we are. Uh, so we, we it, education is a, it is, you know, one of those fundamentals that we um, like to include on our projects, whether it's um, about native seeds or invasive species like uh, myrtle spurge and um, Russian olive and tamarisk. Those are three big ones in Colorado that we have sort of everywhere. Or, you know, whether it's, you know, like what goes into building a trail? Why is it important? Um, what are the effects of overuse of a trail? All of these things, we, we tend to talk about the why on our projects quite a bit. Um, not just at the beginning of our projects, but, you know, throughout. And, and I have to give a lot of credit to uh, our volunteer leadership for, for taking a lot of that on on projects. Our crew leaders who interface with our volunteers are very knowledgeable um, and, and very eager to talk to volunteers about the whys. Um, we also have a really strong, solid group of volunteer, what we call technical advisors. These are folks with um, science backgrounds, usually, um, folks who have been uh, studying Colorado and, and its um, species and flora and fauna for ages. Um, they consult on our projects and, and design work, but on site they're, you know, we find them all the time talking to volunteers about um, plant species or um, geology or hydrology, things like that. Um, so, you know, we, we encourage uh, the, the science, you know, the, the nerding out on, um, on the science behind the whys behind our, our projects, for sure. That's so great. I, I'm, uh, now, are you still accepting volunteers for 2021 or, or are you guys? Absolutely. Okay. We are. Yeah, we have, um, uh, I'll mention that statistic. So right now we have 2,255 volunteer registrations yeah. for the 2021 season. That's uh, 557 unique individuals who have signed up. Um, but we leave our registration open uh, for the duration of our season. Um, right now we have uh, a lot of projects that are full and have wait lists. Um, we will be adding more projects as the season continues. We anticipate adding several more, as a matter of fact. Um, I will also encourage, I just want to get a plug in for the, how, we, how we get our, um, how our website works, excuse me. Um, when you go to our website and want to sign up for a project, um, it may say that it's waitlisted. And I would encourage anybody who's interested in that project 
to sign up for the wait list because, um, you know, life happens and, and people have to have to back out of, uh, you know, a project that they may have signed up for. Um, so there are always good odds of getting onto a project if you want to. That's great. And, and so that's the WLRV.org site. That's correct. Yeah. WLRV.org. It's um, WRV.org was taken. So uh-huh. we added the L into our website. Yeah. For the lands. That's great. Yeah. And um, while we're on it, the topic, let me uh, share that your Facebook is uh, WRV.restore. Um, and, and for folks who are interested in uh, connecting with other uh, similar efforts outside of Colorado, uh, Jeffrey was kind enough to share the Society for Ecological Restoration, which uh, can be found at volunteermatch.org. And we'll, uh, we'll share these, these URLs and links, of course, in the show notes. Um, Jeffrey, I want to uh, just uh, remind folks uh, who we are and what we're up to today. And I was curious, are, are you going to show some, some images? Or, or I know we're going to show the video at the end of the episode, but did you also want to throw some images up while we're talking? Um, yes. It's only if it's convenient while I'm uh, mentioning some of our sponsors and stuff. But um, I will say that folks really should check out the beautiful 15-minute video you guys put together. And it's stunning because it has, at the outset, a lot of footage from the incredible wildfires we experienced uh, last year. And then shows folks working on uh, restoring some of those impacted areas and uh, let me just say this is the why on earth community podcast i'm your host aaron william perry today we're visiting with jeffrey may from the wildlands restoration volunteers and uh, want to give a big shout out to all of the why on earth community ambassadors and folks who have joined our monthly uh, donation program you can join at any level if you haven't yet joined and would like to uh, just go to whyonearth.org slash support. If you join at the $33 or greater levels, uh, we'll be very happy to send you monthly shipments of the Wele Waters biodynamically grown hemp infused aromatherapy soaking salts as a thank you. I want to also give a big thank you to several of our sponsors and donors who uh, make this podcast series possible, as well as our community mobilization work. That includes Earth Coast Productions, the Lidge Family Foundation, Alpine Botanicals, Purium, Earth Hero, Liquid Trainer, Vera Herbals, Growing Spaces, Soil Works, Joyful Journey Hot Springs Spa, Earth Water Press, Dr. Bronner's, 1% for the Planet, and since Why on Earth is part of the 1% for the Planet program, if you'd like, you can route your charitable giving through that program too. Why on Earth? And of course, want to give a big shout out to Patagonia, with whom we recently established a uh, affiliate partnership. Uh, we've got several of these companies and organizations on our website, on our um, support, uh, excuse me, on our um, uh, sponsored partner page, and uh, there you can click through to a lot of these companies and get discounts on their products. And part of those proceeds will come back to the Why on Earth community. So a huge thanks to all of those folks making this possible, and especially to folks who have joined our stewardship circle, uh, including uh, Bob Hill. 
And uh, again, to get to Wildlands Restoration Volunteers, it's WLRV.org. Uh, to track down resources outside Colorado, it's volunteermatch.org. And uh, Jeffrey, I, I, I want to ask you, it's so interesting to me that here you are now doing so much of your work on the ground, right? Literally. And you've got this background where you're up in the air uh, doing work from helicopters on energy infrastructure. I imagine uh, not only was that fairly intense technical work, it probably also had you sort of in a bird's eye view overlooking some pretty cool landscapes. It did. Um, and that, you know, that was one of the things in my life that really strengthened um, my resolve to to work in the outdoors, um, to work to to better those natural places and and to help keep them thriving. Um, you know, seeing seeing things from a bird's eye view is um, I don't know. You can describe it, but it doesn't do it. It never does it justice, right? Uh, if uh, and and I, I worked on the East Coast in the New England, um, also here in Colorado, um, you know, seeing the mountains from up high. Uh, maybe that's why I like working on the 14ers, because um, I get back to that bird's eye view. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that work. Uh, it was it was an interesting time. Um, but I have to say, I really, um, I really get a lot of fulfillment about being down on the ground uh, under the canopy now, or, or sometimes above it. Yeah, that's really great. I, I can imagine that uh, uh, there are some spots on some of those 14ers that might feel very similar to being up in a helicopter in some ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the rewards for all of the hard work that we put into those mountains is, um, is the view. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Well, where, where did we land on the uh, sharing of the photos idea? Is that something we should just say for the end? Uh, yeah, let's, um, I've, I've got some pulled up, um, but they're, they're in a better format for the end. I will say that um, if folks want to see some pictures from yeah. our work, uh, they can go to WLRV.org. Um, there's a link up at the top, uh, um, or I'm sorry, there's, there's a link on the left-hand side um, down at the bottom that says event photos that will take people to our Flickr album. Great. Uh, and they can check out photos from, from projects going back uh, all the way to um, 1999. Um, so there's a lot to look through. Um, Heck, that was last century. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was, uh, it seems like forever ago. Uh -huh. um, but uh, yeah, that was when, that was our first year, by the way. Um, WRV was founded in 99. Oh, great. Uh, okay. So we, we celebrated 20 years in 2019 and moving forward into our 22nd year. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, by the way, I, I, I am so excited that we're going to, I think we're going to basically edit in this 15 minute video at the end of this episode, just so it's very easy for folks to uh, watch and listen to. And when I was looking at that, I was, I was struck not only by the, uh, the footage of the fires, which I mentioned, but also the, the ways in which you guys have innovated in the face of uh, COVID and uh, natural disasters like these fires we had last year. And it was great the way you showed these, uh, these portable stations for hand sanitizing, as well as these hands-free foot pump, uh, foot 
foot action controlled coffee dispensers, which I thought was brilliant. Can you, can you describe this uh, for us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to understate the importance of, of coffee on a project, right? Uh, especially when you're high up in the mountains and have to get up very, very early to hike up and do some work. Um, so we have uh, coffee, you know, your run-of-the-mill sort of coffee dispensers. Um, but because we wanted to be really safe uh, during COVID, um, you know, anything that we could do hands-free um, was a win for us. We put a lot of hours into coming up with our protocol, COVID protocols, but also um, some some interesting engineering. So we took those those coffee dispensers and went kind of low tech with some uh, with some cord and uh, either a piece of wood or a snow pole uh, that you can you know <laughs> uh, use with your foot to to get the the tasty coffee in the morning and wake yourself up. Uh, you know, we, we had some innovations around hand washing stations as well. Um, all kinds of different sanitation. Uh, it was, it was interesting times last year, last spring when we were ramping up for our project season, because that's when, um, that's when, uh, you know, all the lockdowns happened and, and restrictions were happening. And, and we really, um, took a moment to, to step back and think, okay, can we, can we do our work? Can we do it safely? And, and all right, how do we do it? We pulled together as a staff, put some hours in, and there were some great creative solutions that came out of it. It's really wonderful. Yeah, it really shows in that video. Um, I want to ask, you know, before we, before we sign off and transition to the, to the video you guys put together, Indian Peaks Wilderness, right? This is the place I, I shared with you before we started recording that I've been going to since I was a high school student. And it has become a very special part of uh, my, my life. Uh, one of the places that I, I really deeply connect with, with earth, with mother nature, with the divine. And uh, I was just thrilled to see you guys do work in the Indian Peaks Wilderness region, which is west of uh, the Boulder area. And I uh, was just curious uh, if, if there's any special little nugget or treasure you might share with us about the Indian Peaks area and, and what you guys are doing up there. Right. Um, yeah, I can, I can share a little bit about that. Um, I, I will say that the getting into the Indian Peaks wilderness was um, sort of a natural progression from some projects that we did in the Brainerd Lake area. Um, we started many years ago. As a matter of fact, when I was, my, my very first project as a volunteer with WRB uh, was at the Brainerd Lake, uh, one of the Brainerd Lake projects where we were building um, uh, access trails from, uh, you know, the parking lots to, to the trailheads. Um, and one of those goes up to the trailheads to get into the Indian Peaks Wilderness area. Um, so once we finished those, our work continued up um, and we started working on some really badly need needed maintenance in the Indian Peaks area. You know, those user groups, as you mentioned, those user numbers have continued to increase uh, over the years. And um, Indian Peaks is, is beautiful. And, and I think a lot of people have um, similar experience to you and that, you know, that's a place that they go. That's a place that they take their kids. In a lot of ways, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, a modern day sacred space. And I will say it was, it, it has been a sacred space for um, 
um, the original uh, caretakers of, of these lands, right? Um, uh, so we want to continue to, to, to treat them as such. Um, so our work continues up in Indian Peaks um, with some, some trail work, um, building some, some structures and some trails. Um, we, uh, we're not 100% sure about llamas this year, um, but um, there's, there's a good chance that we will have some llamas up again. Uh, and um, it's, we'll be working up there for many years to come. There's a lot to do. Yeah, it's really wonderful to hear. Uh, and I, I guess I'll give a quick plug too that uh, as more and more of us are enjoying these, uh, these outdoor wilderness areas, it really behooves us to take the time to learn the best practices uh, to keep our impacts as low as possible when, when we're out hiking and camping and so on. And uh, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. There, there are a handful of pretty simple and straightforward things we can do uh, to be really good stewards as we're out moving through those uh, environments. Agreed, yeah. Um, you know, leave no trace ethics, as we refer to it as a big part of our projects. Yeah. Um, and uh, if people are interested, um, Leave No Trace has a great website, lnt.org. Um, highly recommend that, that people get familiar with those ethics um, and, and do their best to stick to them uh, when they're out in the, in, in, not just in the wilderness in Colorado, even in the front country, right? It's important everywhere. Um, and it, it has been a part of how we run our projects for, for quite a while. That's great, Jeffrey. Well, I am so excited that we've had this opportunity to visit together today. and I'm, I'm thrilled, too, that we're going to be able to share uh, this video with folks that you all put together. Before we sign off for this uh, segment of the episode, is there anything else you'd like to say or, or share with our, our Why on Earth community audience? Um, well, I mean, thank you for the opportunity to talk. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to, to talk about my work, um, about something that I love doing. Um, thank you to the folks who are listening. Um, if people are interested, please reach out to us. Um, you know, if, if it's, you know, for volunteering, um, we also appreciate any, any, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. We rely heavily on, um, on donations as well. So for those folks who are interested, they can reach out via the website um, to help out that way. And hopefully we'll, we'll see some new faces on projects this year. If you see me on a project and, and you learned about us through the program, you know, let me know. I'd be, I'd, I'd love to talk to some new people. That sounds great, Jeffrey. And I'll tell you what, I hope, uh, I'm one of these new volunteers that, uh, you might cross paths with later this year. I, I, I would love that. Yeah. I would love to, to see it to see you out on some of our projects. Um, it's, it's a really good time. It's very therapeutic for everybody involved. Um, it's very rewarding and very fulfilling. Yeah, I can imagine. I look forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's wonderful visiting with you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.
which way the wind blows when this day is done. Set your intentions, dream with care. Tomorrow's a new day for everyone. A brand new moon, a brand new sun.
The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WhyOnEarth, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And 
Thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.